Most software being developed today includes open source license components, but many developers and their lawyers are unaware of the implications and requirements of utilizing such components. I'm Amy Kotman, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. On today's episode, we will discuss a range of open source license types, including understanding the pluses and minuses of each, and how to comply with their notice and attribution requirements. A special tip regarding the copyright registration of one's own code that includes open source will also be provided. To provide us with insight into this topic, we have Tim Casey, a partner in the intellectual property group at Baker Hostetler. Tim has a background in electrical engineering and has written and prosecuted thousands of patents worldwide. Welcome to the show, Tim. Happy to be here. Looking forward to a uh, enthralling podcast. <laughs> well, Tim, to begin, can you explain what is open source and how it's different from public domain? Sure. So if software is truly in the public domain, that means that nobody has any ownership rights to that code. Uh, or if they did it at some point in time, because they must have, if they've written it, they had a copyright, they've expressly dedicated those rights to the public domain. Uh, in, in other words, that means that that code is free to be used by anybody, copied, revised, sold, incorporated into other software. You can do anything you want to uh, with it without any restriction or without having to pay uh, remuneration to anybody for it. The open source code, on the other hand, is not public domain. Uh, and that means someone owns rights in the code and they're using those rights to limit what other people can do with that software, even if it's freely available or, you know, open to the public to use, um, there are still restrictions associated with it. And the vehicle that's used to exercise those rights in their open source license has to be agreed to as part of the right to use that software. And we call those open source licenses. So, Tim, what are the different types of open source license? So there's, there's three primary types of open source. There's copyleft, weak copyleft, and permissive. Um, and there's a bunch of different variations or permutations of each of those, but, but those are the three main areas. And, and copyleft is probably the, the most well-known, uh, or at least many people have heard of it at some point in time. It was a, a concept largely popularized by an American software programmer named Richard Stallman, who I once met, interesting guy. Um, and he initially promoted what's called free software, uh, which was free, meaning that you didn't have to pay for it, but which was subject to a number of restrictions. And, and CopyLeft was a, a, a version of that. Um, Stallman later went on to establish something called the new project, uh, and that's new is spelled G-N-U, like the animal, um, which is a recursive acronym for news, not Unix, uh, because the whole point behind that project was to develop an operating system that had all the, the useful aspects of Unix uh, in it, but wasn't Unix. Um, the basic premise of copyleft is that you're using a copyright as a legal mechanism to protect the modification and redistribution of what would otherwise be free software. So when a, someone incorporates a component that's licensed under a copyleft license, such as GPL version two or version three, they must release its source code as well as the rights to modify and distribute the entire code that they're 
they're making available and to license that source code under the same GPL license that they receive the component uh, in. And that's true even if the license component was just a minor portion of the entire code. I mean, it could be less than 1%. As long as you've got GPL license code in there, then all of the software is subject to GPL. And, and there's lots of other terms and conditions that apply as well uh, in a GPL license. For example, uh, the resulting code is considered a work based on GPL, and therefore you can't claim patents in it, you can't copyright the software, um, and you can't do anything to restrict anyone else's rights to use that software. So you, you have to display a copyright notice, you have to provide a disclaimer of warranties, you have to include the intact GPL notices and a copy of GPL, uh, and you can't change anything or add any additional terms to the license that you provide for your own code. Um, and these basic terms are consistent across all the different versions of GPL that have been published over the years. Um, there has been some effort in more recent years, like in version three, to make it more compatible with uh, other so that it can be combined with other licenses, like more permissive licenses. And, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but while a copy left license remains popular in some domains, the restrictions that are associated with them have really caused their adoption to wane over time. How about weak copy left? So uh, you know, weak copy left is, is just another version of, of copy left. Uh, but it typically allows distributors to link licensed software with non-free programs. Um, which thereby enables the entire code to be sold um, instead of having to be given away for free. As long as the, the copied left portion of the code in its original or modified form is still made public under the same terms as the original. So if you were going to use a, a weak copy left license, you'd want to make sure that the portion that is subject to that license is a separate component that could be broken out from the rest of the code. And that way you can make that available without having to make all the rest of it available. Okay, and finally, could you talk about permissive? Sure. Uh, permissive open source licenses place minimal restrictions on how others can use the open source components. Uh, the most common permissive open source licenses are the MIT and Apache 2.0 licenses, and I'll talk more about those in a minute. Um, but these types of licenses allow varying degrees of freedom of use uh, to modify and to redistribute the open source code, including permitting its use in, in uh, derivative works, which can be proprietary, meaning that you can sell them, et cetera, and, and restrict someone else's use of them. Uh, and, and basically they require nearly nothing in return, which again, I'll, I'll talk about. Can you tell us what direction open source licensing is trending? Well, definitely away from GPL uh, and copy left and towards uh, permissive licensing. So as of last year, about 67% of all open source components that were available in the market uh, were permissive licenses, um, which is up about 3% over the prior year. Um, and only about 33% are, are copy left, either weak or strong of some type. Um, but even as recently as 2012, copy left licenses were a majority of the open source licenses, representing about 59% overall. So things have definitely been trending towards permissive licenses. Um, open source has become a, a, a mainstream primarily because it, it has so few strings attached to it, because 
a number of big software companies like Microsoft and Google have supported a number of major open source projects. Uh, the most popular permissive license is the MIT license, which represents about 27% of, of all open source licenses. Uh, and that's partly because the license is short and it's, it's relatively easy to understand. Unlike the, the new Afero license or the new GPL with ClassPath exception license, these are complicated to read. Even I, as a lawyer, has a lot of experience in dealing with this for going on 25 years, find the, the language in the new licenses to be confusing. Uh, so, you know, I can imagine how someone who hasn't spent a lot of time looking at these would just read it and not be able to figure it out. The MIT license that doesn't have that issue, it's very simple. Um, on the other hand, it, and it, it simply tells downstream users what they can't do, uh, requires them to publish a copyright notice and disclaims implied warranties. And that's about it. The, the Apache 2.0 license is also popular. It's about 23% of the market. Uh, its main conditions are that the copyright and license notices have to be preserved and that an express grant to any patent rights must be provided. Um, other than that, though, the, the license allows licensed works, uh, modifications, and larger works to be distributed under different terms and without having to make any source code available. So these are very popular for those reasons. Thank you. Let's talk about requirements. What are the most common requirements of open source licenses? Well, as, as I, you know, the one the one common trend you saw in uh, or you heard in all of the ones that I've discussed above is is that you have to provide a uh, the copyright notice and some attribution to where the the software is coming from, uh, and and even though that seems like a minor requirement. Uh, that's the thing that I find uh, many people fail to abide by. So they incorporate the code and then they don't incorporate the, the copyright notice and attribution requirements, uh, which means basically that you're not in compliance with, alliance with the license when you've done that. Um, the other really common provision is, is buyer beware or, or you know, as is for warranty provisions. Um, and, and those are important because the, the person licensing the code to you to use wants to make sure that if something goes wrong with your software and it causes problems for someone else that they don't have any liability for it. Uh, especially since they haven't gotten paid, uh, they, they want to make sure that they're not going to be on the hook for some reason. Right. Now, why is it a good idea to audit your own operations? Well, issues associated with your use of open source uh, can come up unexpectedly in many cases. The, the use and compliance with open source licenses, for example, is a common due diligence issue that's raised in many mergers and acquisitions and financing. Uh, so, you know, you may find yourself suddenly get, being asked, well, what open source licenses do you have uh, in your code? And, and, you know, are you in compliance with the terms? And you may have no idea. Uh, and you're running around, you're trying to talk to the software programmers and engineers about, what's there, they may not know, um, or it, it can be very confusing. And, and if you have a hard time answering that question, that's gonna be a very clear sign that you've got some issues going on with that. Uh, and you wanna make sure that that's not gonna be a problem. So um, you may not be anticipating a merger or an acquisition or a financing anytime soon, but the, they can come up unexpectedly and then you need to be prepared to deal with it. 
So getting a clear understanding of what the open source software you know has been used, in terms of those licenses, uh, as well as sort of managing that on a going forward basis, is a great thing to do to ensure that you're prepared to answer any inquiries that might come up, uh, instead of you know scrambling around to try to assess and fix the problems in a hurry. Um, it can also be an issue when you're commercially licensing your software to others because they may want to, you know, it may not just be uh, an application that's running on a desktop, you may want to license somebody uh, to some component that you've made available and, and that's revenue stream for you, but they're going to be worried about what issues they're creating for themselves if they uh, take your software. So there's a number of ways in which you can perform an audit. Uh, there's a variety of different entities out there that, that provide um, auditing services like White Source and Black Duck and other you know, entities of that type. Uh, and, you know, people like me uh, often help clients try to figure out how to deal with that kind of aspect. Tim, as a final question, can you copyright register your own software if it includes open source? Well, if you were listening carefully, uh, <laughs> I said if you have a GPL license uh, in your software, then you can't copyright it. Uh, so in that case, no. Uh, at least not without violating the, the terms of the GPL license. But outside of GPL, uh, you can still register a copyright in your own software. But the key point there is that you didn't write the open source code that's being utilized in your software. Somebody else did. So you can't claim to be the author to that. So one of the things you have to do in your copyright registration is identify all of the open source code that's included in that and expressly disclaim any rights to that code in your application. This is another good reason to understand what open source has been used in your code and under what license terms so that you're in a position to actually protect your own code. And this can be complicated. I, I've had a client recently with as many as 468 open source components in their own code that we had to go through and identify and then disclaim uh, as part of the copyright process. And it was complicated uh, and it took a long time, uh, therefore it cost a lot. And so, you know, that was quite, quite the mess, but boy, that was a fun project. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Tim. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you have any questions for Tim, his contact information is in the show notes. As always, Thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.